Thank you for joining the 49ers Camelot Show. I'm excited to have you, excited to have my guest, Steph Sanchez. Steph is the uh, host of 49 Carats podcast, and she's also the co-host of Bully Ball on the Gold Standard Network. I haven't caught, Steph, I haven't caught your uh, 49 Carats podcast yet, uh, although I'm going to have to check that out now. But Bully Ball, I've listened to you and Jason on that uh, plenty of times, and y'all are great. Uh, thanks for joining me. How how much fun do you have doing the the content creation that that you're doing? Because you're doing a lot. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun. I mean, it it helps when you when you like the 49ers, right? When you <laughs> when you're a fan of them. So to it's definitely opened my eyes a little bit. You, I think you get to see the team in almost like a different perspective when you have to, um, you know, cover them in this fashion. So it's definitely, it's definitely different, but it's fun. You know, it, it just adds to the excitement of, of everything. Yeah. I talked to John Chapman. He was my very first guest. Cause I just started this a couple of months ago and he was my very first guest. And I'd say about a year ago, he was trying to talk me into doing this uh, along with a few others. And, and I just kept putting it off. And so he said, look, I'll be your first guest if you do this. And so, you know, he's full time doing this now. And I just write on a part time basis for 49ers web zone. And it's kind of changed. Like you said, it's changed how I see the team, how not really how I root because I still want them to win more than just about anything, but it, it kind of adds to, it, it changes the game for me instead of just sitting there watching and I'm taking notes, I'm writing things so that I can write about it the next day. And I told him, I was like, you know, I'm so happy for all of you who want to do this full time and you're making it happen. I'm not sure I want to do it full time because the 49ers to me, uh, it's, it's a, it's an escape from my real life. And so if this becomes a job, then what am I going to escape to? So is that kind of where you're at? Or are you like, no, I want to do this full time. It total that totally makes sense. I know I've, I've, uh, other people who have been doing this content creation stuff a little longer than me tell me like they get into those slumps where it's like, man, like I, I don't even enjoy talking about the Niners right now. <laughs> or like, you know, uh, I think we all kind of get into those, you know, moods a bit. I, I don't do it full time actually. Uh, I, you know, I have another job that I consider my full time job um, pays the bills. This is, still more for fun. Although I feel like I have two full-time jobs sometimes, um, <laughs> because when I'm not doing, you know, my, my nine to five, I'm, I'm working on this almost entirely all the other times. So yeah, it, it, it is a lot of work. I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is like, if you want to be taken seriously and you want to have like a, a big, uh, you know, amount of content to put out mm -hmm. there it is so much work yeah and uh i think that's what sometimes gets a little you know exhausting uh but you know it it's it has some rewards as well um and so like i said i think being a fan of the team is really important because if i if i didn't care about the 49ers if i wasn't <laughs> passionate about the 49ers yeah. i think i'd feel a whole lot different yeah i bet well you just recently 
got to go to your very first NFL combine. Uh, how was that experience? It was awesome. I, that was my first time getting credentialed for an NFL event. Like, uh, and then the senior bowl, which was like the week before or the month before that, um, was my first time getting credentialed to any like football okay. event or just any, any event. So that was cool. And then being able to go to the combine was just that on steroids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a great experience first, like getting to interview players, something that I personally, um, you know, I'll be transparent about That's something I, I hadn't really done much before and, and something that I, I want to get better at. So being at the combine kind of allowed me because I was there like four or five days it allowed me the time to like, you know, every day just get a little more comfortable, get a little bit better with that. So um, it was an awesome experience, both from like just being able to learn uh, things and, you know, being able to meet new people and also being able to see these guys who, you know, are on their way to uh, living out their dreams, right, of making it to the NFL. That aspect yeah. of it is really cool as well. So who was your favorite interview? Um, I would say, I think his name's Jake Andrews. Um, he is from, uh, Troy and okay. definitely was, gave me the best impression. Yeah. Jake Andrews, uh, out of all of the interviews that I did just because he got so in depth with his answers, like he really thought hmm. about what, what he was telling me and, and, you know, it wasn't just to answer just to answer. Right. But it, he was truly engaged in the conversation and, and gave me some good in-depth uh, responses. So I really appreciated that. And he just seems like a guy who, who loves football, uh, loved the process of being out there at the combine. And uh, yeah, it, it was really cool to, to interview him. Great personality. Now are these one-on-ones or is, is it like when John Lynch did his press conference and there's multiple media in the rooms it more like that or did were you able to get some one-on-ones yeah it is like that it's somewhat like a scrum right so there <laughs> there are podiums there are several podiums and any media member can just go up to these podiums uh to ask a player a question you can imagine the the players who are like first rounders have you know 30 or more people surrounding their podium so that can get pretty competitive if you want to try to ask a question um, and then for the, I guess, I don't know, lesser known uh, prospects who are there or mm -hmm. who they figure will have less people asking them questions, they have tables off to the side, still podium style, but it's just smaller, like eye level type of uh, setup where those are great opportunities to really get those one-on-ones because, you know, at any time you go up to these players, they probably have like one or two other people in front of them at wanting to ask them questions. So that's a good chance to rattle off, you know, three questions at a time. Um, and you don't really have to like compete with other media yeah. members. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much how it's set up. And who knows, maybe, maybe you got a chance to interview the next Mr. Irrelevant who could become <laughs> Mr. Relevant again. So know. all of the beat writers talk about, uh, every, every year I hear them talk about the places that they ate and things like that. What was your favorite spot? Um, you know, I, I did really want to eat at St. Elmo's. I didn't get a chance because that's the one everyone talks about. Um, 
I, I didn't get a chance. I, d I did go to another steakhouse to, to have a, a nice steak dinner uh, one night. I, I told myself if I'm going to be out there, I got to do that. They have a ton <laughs> of, of steakhouses out there. I don't know if what their deal is, but they love steaks, <laughs> I guess. Um, and I'm forgetting the name. I think it's Prime 47 or something like that. Okay. Um, so that was pretty good. But honestly, the best food I had, I was like severely hungover one of the days. And <laughs> and uh, I had a calzone that I just like door dashed uh, to my hotel. And that was an amazing calzone. It was, mm. it was pretty good. I don't remember the name of the place, but I will remember that calzone. Yeah. And I, you know, I have heard that uh, that there's a little bit of drinking going on that week <laughs> as well. So you confirmed that. Well, let's get into the team, uh, especially because this week was, uh, has so, so far has been a pretty important week. On Monday, John Lynch spoke at mm -hmm. the annual NFL meetings. And yesterday, Tuesday, Kyle Shanahan spoke. So when Lynch spoke on Monday, he was talking about the starting quarterback situation for the 49ers. And he said with the way he's played Brock's probably the leader in the clubhouse for that. If he's healthy. So Kyle Shanahan kind of echoed the same thing. So my question for you is if you're the decision maker is Brock Purdy QB one, has he shown enough to make you believe in him? Um, yeah, I think he's shown enough. I, I don't think it, it's surprising at all that, you know, both Lynch and, and Kyle would be on the same page about that, that he's the leader of the clubhouse, right? Um, and for the reasons they mentioned, it's not just him going eight and one, and you could even say he went undefeated if you don't count the loss to the Eagles, mm -hmm. right? Cause it, I don't, I personally don't think that should count against him. Um, but it's the way in which he did it, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, the one thing I would say, though, I think I would give Trey Lance an opportunity to to show what he has while they have the opportunity to, mm -hmm. to have a really good look at him. This is a great time to do that because now Brock Purdy isn't going to be, you know, really uh, breathing down his neck as much since he's going to be rehabbing. Um, and it, it just I get the sense that they're just not interested in giving Trey Lance that opportunity. And I think for me, if I was a decision maker, which I'm not, but let's just say, right. I think I would, I would be wanting to see what Trey Lance has. And I would be open to if Trey Lance looks good, he's competing with Brock Purdy, not if Trey Lance looks good, he's competing with Sam Darnold. Right. Right. So which it, that's what it seems like right now. He's going to be competing with Sam Darnold. He's going to be getting he's going to be sharing first team reps with Sam Darnold. You know, um, there's just something that I, I don't feel right about that. You know, I, I, I want him to get a fair shot. And it, it feels like he's going to have to uh, kind of make some magic happen in in limited opportunities. Yeah, it is really weird the way that that it's almost like they have fallen out of love with him, you know, and I go back to some of the things that John Lynch said at the combine where he basically said Brock's the guy if healthy, you know, and then he said that again this week. But then when he said something to the effect of 
you know, he took his opportunity and, and ran with it. And we just have to find a way to get Trey some, some opportunities. And I thought, well, man, Brock's hurt. This, this is the opportunity to get Trey those reps. And, exactly. and so then, then, you know, then here comes Sam Darnold. I initially thought Sam Darnold is just going to be the third string quarterback. Mm-hmm. But now here's Kyle Shanahan. You you mentioned this yesterday saying that Trey and, and Darnold are, are going to both get reps, uh, starter reps. And and so then here's the here's the thing that uh, I saw that Ian Rappaport yesterday said Sam Darnold will more likely than not be the 49ers starting quarterback in week one. Do you, do you buy that or do you think, come on, this there's no way that Sam Darnold's going to beat out Trey Lance? Uh, I think it's twofold. Like I, I think that as of right now, that may be the sentiment for this team. I, I don't know because he's he said that two days in a row. The the day before, after John Lynch spoke, uh, Rap talked about John Lynch's comments and immediately after said, and this is why they brought in Sam Darnold. Uh, because if Brock Purdy isn't able to to if he's not ready by week one, you have a guy who's been there before who has the experience. Did not mention Trey Lance once. So mm. I don't know if he's saying that because of he's hearing that from the 49ers or, you know, maybe he's friends with the agent. I, I hope it's the uh, it's the latter. But, um, yeah, I I feel like it's possible that's the sentiment right now. And it's also possible. This is a fluid situation, right? And whatever happens, I mean, it's March, whatever happens in, in training camp and OTAs and, and beyond that can change that, that can shift what the team thinks, right. To some extent, it doesn't really feel that way right now. It doesn't seem like they have an open mind, right. To Trey Lance, yeah. but it's a fluid situation. I, I think it's something like Trey Lance, you know, getting some, making some headway and, and impressing the team is still on the table. Yeah. So, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see, but I think to, to not panic about what's being said right now, I think is, is important. I, because we don't know, they don't know what's going to happen. So it, it, it's a fluid situation. If Trey Lance does get the starting job, let's say, that uh well let's talk about Brock Purdy first cuz that's going to lead into the Trey Lance discussion. Uh, you know, there John Lynch talked like he thought Brock Purdy would be back week 1. Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan didn't sound as optimistic yesterday, but I I heard Jake DeLome speak a couple of weeks ago on KNBR. He had actually the actual Tommy John surgery late in his career. And he said that he was throwing a Nerf football within a couple of months and that within six months he was cleared to play. And he actually said, I think that I could have been cleared sooner, but it wasn't that time of the year. Like we weren't up against, you know, like we're about to have a game or something like that. And so that seems crazy to think. And and it goes against everything we've heard. But he said yeah. that he thought that Brock Purdy should be ready in week one, you're obviously not a doctor, but mm-hmm. where do you fall on this? Do you, do you believe what Jake DeLoma is saying? I, I can't imagine that he'd be lying, but to me, I don't think that he's going to be ready week one. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think he's lying either, but it, we got to be careful using one player's timeline to to make that the timeline or have that be the standard uh, against someone else's timeline because every player is different. And I had uh, ESPN analyst uh, Stefania Bell on, on my channel, and I, I asked her uh, pretty much about the difference between Tommy John and, uh, you know, the, the – the repair that uh, mm-hmm. Purdy had and also the difference between, you know, how baseball players versus football players would recover from this. I think what we should hold true to this point is we won't know too much until after the three months, like mm-hmm. after once he starts throwing after those three months, then we'll have a better idea what beyond that the timeline is going to be. And, and that's pretty much what, Kyle Shanahan said that's pretty right. much what John Lynch, you know, said, even though John Lynch clearly a, a little more optimistic on the timeline, I thought it was problematic, uh, in my opinion, for him to say, we hope that he'll be ready by training camp because that mm-hmm. puts pressure on the player. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, like in my conversation with Stefania, it, it's like every player is different and one, the the timeline can't really be set right now like we don't know if he's going to be ready in six months and return to uh return to play meaning fully cleared is not necessarily return to performance mm-hmm. return That's to a performance. Great point. yeah and, and that that what she said stuck out to me the most because like i i was in my head thinking okay well if he gets cleared before week one he's going to be the week one starter when in reality like you got to look at does he look the same as he did before yeah that may take a little bit longer. So, you know, I, I think one, we shouldn't feel, um, you know, too bad if he's not ready by week one. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what, you know, John Lynch saying something like, we hope he's ready by training camp. If Brock isn't ready by training camp, is Brock going to feel bad? Like, Oh, like shoot. Like I failed or like, you know, this isn't going well kind of thing. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think it's it's smarter to just have uh, a more, you know, just looking at the three months because that's like a small, small time frame that we can look to. And then from there, see, see what the timeline looks after that. Yeah, I love I love that line. Um, that's that's going to stick out to me as well, because I think that's a great point that even if he's ready physically for week one, he may not be ready performance wise. So let's say that he's not had Matt Barrows on a few weeks ago and Matt is uh, convinced that it's going to be three or four weeks. That's kind of where I fall as well, just because I mean, the 49ers and injury, especially when it comes to quarterback, they don't have the greatest luck. And so to me, even if doctors were saying it's going to be, he'll be ready week one. I still don't know if I'd believe it because it's the 49ers. But if let's say that he does miss three to four weeks, I think that this is a great opportunity for Trey Lance. If Mm -hmm. Trey plays well in that time, when Brock Purdy is healthy, if, if Trey's playing well and the team is winning, what do you think happens? Do, does Kyle Shanahan stick with the hot hand like he's done, or does he go back to Brock Purdy? 
Well, I mean, Kyle Shanahan did say that Trey Lance has a chance to get back the the starting position, right? And if he's honest about that, then, you know, I think if Trey Lance has a successful going uh, and he, he does actually look good in training camp and they let him start week one and, and a little after that, and he's winning games. And I, I think they got to take a serious look at the situation once again, you know, and, and kind of, you know, make a decision based on that. Uh, but I think there's a lot more that may go into the decision ultimately, but definitely they'll have to consider it. Or at least, at least I hope they would. Right. Yeah. So last week I wrote an article for 49ers web zone on uh, the 10 biggest uh, mistakes in 49ers history. And as I was leading into those 10, there were some that I, that I said, I'm not going to include these. And one of those was trading or, or using three uh, first round draft picks uh, on Trey Lance, essentially. Mm. And, and the reason that I didn't include that is because we don't yet know if you know people call him a bus but there's just no way to know that do you do you align with that that it's just way too early to say that was a mistake or are you in the camp that okay maybe he becomes the 49ers starting quarterback but still using three first round draft picks on a single guy was a mistake where where are you at on that I mean, I think it looks bad right now, right? And I and not just because we don't know what Trey Lance is yet, and that's not his fault. You know, he he he's gotten hurt. Uh, they the first year they they chose to start Jimmy Garoppolo before him. Uh, a lot of different factors went into Trey Lance um, not playing as much and us not knowing who who or what he is yet, right? Um, so I don't hold that against him, but it. Right now, it looks bad just because we don't have any idea what he is. Um, but I think it is too early to to make that definitive, you know, statement that yeah, that was a bust pick or like mm-hmm. they they shouldn't have done that. What I would, I guess, question the most is, you know, are the 49ers ever going to give him that shot? Because if they mm-hmm. don't, it, it's a bad pick because the 49ers made that decision, not because of Trey Lance, you know, I, I I think we're at this weird point where we're questioning why they made that pick. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not Trey Lance's fault because he was a raw, you know, athlete who didn't have a lot of experience. And the 49ers knew this before they made that pick before they traded up to three. And that's not his fault. (laughs) You know, he goes into this situation and he's getting treated like uh, James Wiseman kind of was w- with the Warriors. <laughs> I see a lot of people making that parallel, and I can I can totally see it. And you got to wonder, is this going to lead to Trey Lance eventually getting traded, right, like the Warriors did uh, Wiseman? Uh, and so I think if that happens, I think it's a bad pick on the, on the Niners, right? Like yeah. I think – it reflects badly on them more so than Trey Lance. I, and I, I, I see people, fans of other teams um, on Twitter say all the time, like, I don't understand why the 49ers just don't want to give Trey Lance a chance. Like, what are they doing? Like, and looking at it from the outside, it's like, yeah, like, what are they doing? Why did they invest these picks on them? 
if they are not invested in him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I think it, it's too early to say, uh, but if it ever happens that the 49ers decide to go a different direction for good, it's going to look badly on them, not on Trey Lance. Yeah, that's a great point. And because he really hasn't had his chance yet. I mean, think about he came in in 2021. He came in, played the second half for Jimmy Garoppolo against the Seahawks. He had that injured finger or thumb. I don't even remember what it was. I think it was a broken finger or something uh, that took place in preseason. Then, uh, Then he plays against, he starts against the Cardinals. The game plan was terrible. And maybe it was terrible because he was injured and couldn't throw. His teammates were terrible in that game. I remember so many holding calls and and missed tackles on defense. It was just a mess. So and then so then he injures his knee in that one. So then when he plays later in the season against Houston, he's still dealing with that finger. So then he comes to 2022, has to play in a downpour in Chicago and then gets hurt in the next game. So it's like not only have we not seen him, but we haven't seen him really have a legit chance that's abnormal. If you look at Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers from the the Colts game in 2021, when he played in in a downpour, a monsoon, it was just as bad, if not worse, than Trey Lance. In fact, he turned the ball over more than Trey Lance did. And so, you know, nobody talks about that. They just talk about how bad Trey Lance was on that on that day. They didn't, they don't talk about how Debo Samuel on that opening drive fumbled <laughs> yeah, uh, right down there in the, in the red zone because they, huge. they would have scored a, at least a field goal. So if Trey is, is the starter at the beginning of the season, once Brock Purdy is healthy, or if they're just really liking Sam Darnold and he's the backup, how long do you think Trey Lance's leash is? Are they going to be patient with him or, as soon as he has a bad game, do you think they're going to pull him out? Uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. Right now, it doesn't even feel like he has a leash. It doesn't feel like he's even has a collar on. You know, <laughs> like he's just like this lost puppy on this team. Um, but I, I would say it it feels like his his leash is not very long. Right. Especially if the things we're hearing about Sam Darnold, he, his name keeps getting brought up. Like if they're really considering Sam Darnold being an option and they want Lance to compete with Darnold, it doesn't feel like his leash is very long um, because there's no reason it should be short to begin with. Right. By, yeah. by no fault of his own, is he in this situation where he, he has to all of a sudden compete. Right. Uh, and so I think it, it, one thing that stood out was like, John, I forgot if it was John Lynch or Kyle Shanahan. I think it was Kyle that said, like, nothing has changed since last season with Trey. Like, we still feel the same about him. Trey Lance was a starter in week one. Mm-hmm. Unquestioned starter. Started over Jimmy Garoppolo. What? And, and now suddenly he's competing with Sam Darnold. How yeah. is that? How is that the same? Is <laughs> Sam Darnold better than Jimmy Garoppolo? You know, I, I don't, I don't think. I, I I wonder if he's even better than Trey Lance, right? But yeah. I think the thing with Trey Lance is that he's raw. He doesn't have the experience. He needs the reps, um, all, so on and so forth. The same things we keep hearing over and over. Um, but, yeah, it's it's such a weird uh, situation. But it, it looks like, by all indications, that he has a short leash. 
Yeah, and it's it's it is strange when they say nothing's changed because the way that they talk about him has changed. And so it makes yeah. us think that their their viewpoint of him has changed. But yeah. I, I guess we'll see. Let's talk uh, real quick about uh, something that John Lynch said on Monday about Colton McKivitz. He kind of talked like he would, he's the leader in the clubhouse. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like he talked about the quarterbacks, that he's the, yeah. the leading candidate to become the starting right tackle. But as soon as he's saying that, the 49ers signed veteran Matt Pryor, who I think was with the Colts last year. So if Colton McKivitz wins that job, how comfortable are you with the former Mountaineer protecting whoever is the quarterback on this team? Um, you know, I'm going to be optimistic about it. I'll be open-minded about it just because, you know, I think when Jake Brendel, when he was in the position to compete for the center position, uh, last off season, I don't, I'm not sure I thought he would play as good as he did. Right. Just based on not knowing who he is or not having seen enough of him, uh, play so far. So, you know, I think a lot of, development goes on with some of these like depth offensive linemen guys that you know if the 49ers feel good enough about letting that player get more reps or compete for a starting job it's because they earned it right it's because Mm -hmm. they they look uh good enough and I know like uh, I think it was Lynch who pointed out how Colton McKivitz looked when he played in place of Trent Williams uh you know for for a game he thought he did pretty well so you know i i'm gonna be optimistic i think he it makes sense that he's the leader of the clubhouse because honestly who else do they have i think (laughs) uh the mayor signing is depth um and that seems like a point of emphasis for you know a lot of the Mm -hmm. signings they've made lately right so but yeah i think it makes sense and they'll probably bring in uh a draftee right to to compete at that right tackle spot as well so I don't think the competition ends there uh, with just some of these depth guys. I think uh, we'll, we'll see a rookie competing with McKivitz, but McKivitz having the experience already in this offense, the familiarity, I think he'll, he'll be the leader of the clubhouse even after training camp, unless the rookie just like blows everyone out of the water. Yeah. Speaking of rookies, you, you, like we talked about interviewed some players at the combine and one of the cool things that you did that's been getting a lot of attention is that you made a Google Doc that uh, that's keeping track of all of the players that the 49ers have talked to. Now, it's hard to predict, especially because they're picking in at the end of the third round. So it's hard to, to really make a good prediction about who they might pick. But are there any players that... Uh, that you have in mind that, that we could keep an eye on that, that might be around that they could target in, in late in the third round. Yeah. First I want to say thanks for shouting out the draft sheet. Cause uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> that's been my, my baby this off season. It's, it's been my big project. Um, and, and really the, the ultimate goal to that, you know, I want to keep doing one of those every year so that I could see some of those trends, right? Like what are they typically into? Um, and they are pretty low key and, in their interest in guys, I think. So I think uh, having all of those names together in one spot, you may be able to, to find some, uh, you know, themes or mm-hmm. I don't know that just, just some names to, to keep in mind. But uh, yeah, some, 
some guys I was prepared for this question. So like I, I noted some guys in the list that I, I think um, are notable or that the 49ers may have extra interest in. Uh, I mean, today there are a couple of players we heard about. Uh, Tony Pauline reported that uh, uh, Catrell Clark out of Louisville, he's a corner. Uh, the 49ers are showing a lot of interest in him. Uh, Izzy Abeniconda, I, I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Uh, but <laughs> That's he's not an Pitt. easy one. Yeah, he's he's from Pitt, and he had his pro day today. The 49ers apparently met with him last night before his pro day. Um, that was according to Ryan Fowler. And they did meet formally with him at the Combine. But he had an incredible pro day, so I'm like, I don't even know if he's going to be available at, like at their pick in the third round. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's, there's several of the guys. I can't say for sure whether these will be third-round guys. Like, uh, I have – no sense of where guys are going to go. I'm just terrible at that. So these are just names that I think yeah. could be on the table or could be on their board. Um, Antonio Maffey at a UCLA offensive lineman. He has a top 30 visit scheduled uh, with the 49ers. So that's pretty notable. Um, out of Penn State, Juice Scruggs, uh, offensive lineman. He met with them at the Combine. And he's, he also said at his pro day that he has spent time with them. Like he mentioned him, them as one of the teams uh, that he spent time with. So that seems pretty notable. Obviously, like, like I said, they're looking at offensive linemen, right? Yeah. And it seems like they're looking at uh, some wide receivers as well. Makes sense. Juwan Jennings is on the last year of his contract. So I think they want to bring in a slot guy, Kazmir Allen out of UCLA who plays wide receiver. He has also played some running back as well. So um, he met with the 49ers at the shrine bowl and he actually had a private workout with them in March. Um, hmm. So yeah, that I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, there's just, a, there's a lot of uh, names out there. Offensive linemen. Like I said, uh, Tyler Steen at Alabama, Blake Freeland at a BYU. Wanya Morris, Oklahoma, Joey Fisher, a shepherd who had his pro day yesterday. They had uh, uh, Dominic that I, I don't know how to say his last name, the, the seashow or it's a very Italian name, um, <laughs> but he he's the uh, one of their national scouts. And he was, I think, watching Joey Fisher. He was also at Blake Freeland BYU's pro day. So I, I think he's keeping an eye on those offensive linemen who could be in that range. Maybe you trade up for someone like Freeland, not sure. And they're also clearly in the tight end market as well. And almost all of the tight ends that we spoke with or, or asked at the combine had met with the 49ers in some capacity. Uh, so they're definitely- and this is a good draft for tight ends. Oh, yeah, it, right. it's amazing. I, I wouldn't even be surprised if they grabbed two like hmm. just just because it's it's that deep of a class like maybe they they draft one and then they bring in a UDFA because it, the draft class for tight ends is so deep that I think there's going to be great value um throughout so if they if they want to bring two in I think that's an option but yeah don't quote me <laughs> <laughs> well that's great info and you've done a great job with uh with that uh draft tracker uh, that you have and people can go to your to your twitter page right and yeah it's and, pinned and see that? 
it's pinned on my uh, Twitter account, which my Twitter is Steph49K. So it'll be the first uh, tweet that pops up. And I got the link to the Google Doc right there. Awesome. Steph, thanks so much. I like your background. I see the Bosa Thank jersey. You. I love the who's got it better than us yeah. towel back there. That is, that is super <laughs> cool. Oh, had to represent, yeah. For yeah, sure. <laughs> I love that one. Uh, but hey, thanks so much for uh, for joining us. And look, if you're watching on YouTube or listening on Apple or wherever you're listening, uh, please rate, review, subscribe, and do the same thing for Steph at uh, 49 Carats Podcast and also the Gold Standard Network. Uh, she's She and Jason Aponte do the uh, Bully Ball, and it's a great podcast. So, Steph, thanks so much for joining me. Hope that uh, you have a great rest of your week. Yeah, thanks, Mark. I'm I'm honored that I was one of your like early guests, and you, yeah. I've seen you've had some great guests on. So I'm I'm honored to be part of the list. And thanks for having me on. It was fun. Yeah, my pleasure. You're doing great work. Thanks. <laughs>